us off, go ahead and read verse 1. Somebody else be ready to pick it up, and we'll get through these verses. So whoever wants to start us off. Excellent, thank you. This is the word of the Lord. Now, at first listen, this sounds a little bit like an odd psalm. Whoever is expressing it is definitely in a difficult place. They're in a rough place. Uh, There's some type of struggle they're going through, pressure, situation that they're dealing with, and it's causing them to be introspective. It's causing them to contemplate, to wrestle with things, to think about themselves, think about others, to process the reality of God. They, might, they may not have gone into this thinking, I need to prepare my mind, but that's exactly what's going on here. This, the person in this psalm is doing this from a really rough place. But sometimes these moments of I'm thinking through who I am, I'm processing life, they don't always come from a rough place. They can, and typically they, that, a rough situation can inspire those moments, but they also can come from a really good place. There's moments when, when things are going great in our life that we start thinking about who we are and who God is and, and how we fit within that. Um, sometimes life feels like we're in the midst of an existential crisis. Other times it feels like we're in an existential opportunity. Sometimes you're humming along with rent, 525,600 minutes. How do you measure? Measure a year. But then other times you're humming along with Lincoln Park. And every second I waste is more than I can take. I'm becoming so numb. I appreciate the reaction to that because... It took me a while to pick the song for the second one, and I felt really good about it, and now you just affirm me within that. (laughs) Whether it's a crisis moment or an opportunity moment or somewhere in between, we're processing faith. What do I believe? Who is God? Who am I? And let me just say, I don't have to ask who's ever done that or in that place or whatever, because I know the answer to that is every single person in the room. 
And the reality is, is that when we have those questions, when we wrestle with those things, those are really, really, really good moments. I know it doesn't always feel that way, but our feelings don't dictate whether that's a good moment or not. The fact that we are wrestling with who God is and who we are and who we are in relationship to him is one of the most important things we can process as people. And so the fact that you find yourself in that place, that is an amazing thing. And this psalm will give us some encouragement in that regard on what happens and how to help us get through that. Psalm 39 starts off with our, our friend, whoever this is, that's processing this. It says this. He, he says this in verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. He's being protective of his words. He's being protective of his actions. There is intentional responsibility here about how he's processing what's going on inside. Why? Because the people around him are not godly people. The people in his midst are described as the wicked and so within that, he doesn't want the people that he's processing life with to be people who are going to discourage him in the reality of who God is. There's wisdom here that we need to be mindful of as far as who we are as we process spiritual questions and how we process spiritual uh, burdens. Who we process those, process those things with matters. Do we take those struggles, do we take those questions to people who will encourage us and walk with us, or do we take them to people who could care less about God or don't even believe in him? If I have a medical question, I'm going to take my medical question to Gabby or Andres, our resident doctors. I'm going to take that to Jody. I'm going to take it to somebody in the church family who's part of the medical profession. I know the rest of you would mean really, really well, but if I have a medical question, I don't want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I want to hear what the doctors have to say. If I have a medical question, I'm not going to ask our actuaries, Mitch and Co., about a medical thing. I'm going to ask the doctors about that. I'm not, that's nothing against actuaries. I just want to clarify that also. Not We have to take our questions to people who care and about God, love God. Not perfect. And it doesn't mean that you have to come to, everybody has to come to me alone, even though that's what I'm here for. I would love to have that conversation. But we need to take those things to find people who love the Lord, are knowledgeable about scriptures, who understand faith, and who are processing the same things that we are. The guy in this psalm would rather muzzle his mouth than take his thoughts to people who are wicked. And so who we process things with matters. That's what he's saying right off the bat. It says in verse 2, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my stress grew worse. My distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. As I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Excuse me. He doesn't take it to the wicked, but he realizes that he can't keep this buried. He's not talking about it, so the distress is boiling within him. Taking his burdens to people not of faith wasn't an option, but he's realizing burying them and not talking about it isn't an option either. When we have these questions, when we have these moments, we can't bury it down. We have to get it out. Keeping it in only makes struggles worse. 
And look what it says in the, the next three sections of the psalm. In verse 4, O Lord, he says. Verse 7, now, O Lord. Verse 12, hear my prayer, O Lord. He's modeling for us and reminding us of something really important. We can bring all of our questions and struggles to God. There is nothing that we can't bring to him. Yeah, but I'm kind of struggling with him right now. Well, bring that on. I'm a little angry at him right now. Bring that on. You think he doesn't know that? He already knows it before you said it. We can bring all of the questions, all of the burdens, all of the struggles, whatever it is, we can bring those to God. God doesn't want us to bury those things. He wants us to bring those to him, which points to another truth that we have to embrace. Those questions and struggles are to be expected. They're going to happen. It's not weird or wrong that we have those moments. Faith doesn't mean that they go away. Scholar Michael Wilcox says this, to have faith does not mean you have no more questions. And to have questions does not mean that your faith has failed. Let me read that line again. To have questions does not mean that your faith has failed. It is childish to imagine that a tide moving one way will never be accompanied by waves moving the other way. We have faith, but at the same time, you can have questions. God's existence is not dependent on our understanding or our certainty. He welcomes, though, the reality of our human frailty to come into his midst. Not having everything figured out doesn't mean that something is wrong. Having questions about God doesn't mean he's not there. Not being certain about faith doesn't mean that God and the word are not true. All of these experiences are normal on the journey of faith. And so I think that that's a basic thing we need to be reminded of. Because when we have these moments, when we feel these things, we can think, something's wrong with me. Or something's wrong with God. Life is broken. No, life is normal. There's moments where it's hard. There's moments where it's a struggle. There's moments where we realize we don't have it figured out, or there's moments where we don't have it figured out the way that we thought we did. And that can cause tension, that can cause pain, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing or that there's something wrong with us. That's the beauty of this psalm, is it shows us how to pray to the Lord, how to bring our hurts and struggles to him within these faith struggles that we might have. So how does this guy model this for us? Well, the first thing he's going to pray is this. Lord, give me a deep appreciation for the life you've gifted me. Lord, give me a deep appreciation for the life that you've gifted me. Now, one of the things that kids like to play with, and many adults, are bubbles, right? That was super lame. <laughs> really anticlimactic. I just built all of them, you know. Really, man, this is... First time I did it earlier, I like showered with it. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Thank you. Thank you. Now you think about the reality. I'm glad I'm here for your amusement. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else is going to have to come up here and do this. Here's what I want you to do, though. Think about, I mean, they're different sizes. Some last longer than others. Some didn't apparently have a prayer. 
Can somebody with an Apple watch, or I mean, I'm sure other watches do it, but this is what I'm familiar with, can you time it from the time I actually get one out till it pops? Yeah? Can somebody do it? Help me out here? Anyone? There we go. Okay. Thank you, John. Nope, that one's not bad. Okay, there's a little one. Stop. How many seconds was it? 11.78. So we'll say 12 seconds. 12. 4.78. We'll say 5 seconds. So that bubble lasted 5 seconds from the time I finally got it out until it hit the ground. Now here's a number to think about. There are 31,556,952 seconds in a year. That bubble was for five of them. And we think about the reality of who we are in the short time that we have. Our life is that bubble in light of all of the different seconds of eternity. We only have so much time. It's very brief. It's very fleeting. Our friend wrestles with this idea that his life is like the time span of a bubble in comparison with eternity. He says this, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all humankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes with about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. He pleads with the Lord here. He's pleading, let me grasp and appreciate how brief and fragile my life is. Let me have a deep awareness of how brief and fragile my life is. My life is like a bubble, like a breath, like the lifespan of a shadow. And anything I gather or salvage or hoard or accumulate is going to rust and rot either before or after I do. Let me see how brief and fragile my life is. And remember, he's praying for this. Let me see the brevity of life and the measure of my days. He's not praying for this to be stressed out, to panic, to create an existential crisis. He's praying for this, that he would trust God, that he would embrace him, that he would live this life that God has given us faithfully and to its fullest. And other scriptures complement his prayer right here. It says in James, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, we are boasting about our own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Help me understand the measure of my days. Help me see that my life is fleeting and let me live it underneath a trust of who you are. It says in Ecclesiastes, which Ecclesiastes you have to, is one of the books of the Bible that you have to just read the whole book to get it. It's this guy who's just observing from what he can see in life everything before him. And in the first 11 chapters, when you see everything he sees, he says over and over again, it's just meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
It says in verse chapter 12, chapter 12, though, is where everything accumulates. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Verse 8, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Verse 13, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. As we go through this life, as we think through the reality of who we are, we need to live with an awareness of who God is, what his heart toward us, and what it says earlier in Ecclesiastes, when we think about the time that we have, it says God will make everything beautiful in its time. And he says we live within trust of that that he is the God who is in control and we can trust him throughout his, our days. A healthy awareness of how brief and fragile life is helps us to focus on the Lord and it gives us a holy perspective of how we see each day. Every moment matters. And so how do I make the most of it? God has me here and wants me to be a part of what he's doing. So I am not an accident and my life matters. You need to hear that today. Somebody in here needed to hear that today. Your life matters. And if anybody tells you different, they're lying. They're not speaking truth to you. And if you tell yourself different, you're lying and you're wrong. Your life matters. And let no one else tell you different. Because God has you here. And God wants you to be a part of what he's doing. And he communicates to us his love for us and his care for you. You are special. You are significant. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. You matter. And let no one, including yourself, tell you different. As I evaluate my days, maybe some things don't matter as much as I've stressed about them. Or maybe I haven't been as intentional about some things as I should be. This stuff doesn't matter as, so the stuff that I have doesn't matter as these people before me. And these dear ones who are close to me are worth more than the critics that speak to me. A perspective of life being fleeting and fragile helps us see things in a healthy way. And so when we think about this, when we process this, if the feeling is negative or dread or stress, you need to go underneath that feeling. Because God never wants us to contemplate the reality of our life to give us a sense of fear or dread or stress. He wants us to give us a sense of intentionality and wholeness and fullness and hope. And so if you're feeling negative or dread or stress about that, what's underneath that feeling? There's always something underneath. And so is there something that you're not trusting God with? Is there something about God that you need to be reminded of or learn? You have an understanding about God being like this, but maybe that's not the reality of who God is. You just need to learn something new about him. Am I allowing fear and stress to lead me rather than God's guidance and grace? Am I I blowing something out of proportion compared to what is actually going on? Most of the things we bring up during existential crises are only the surface. And many times there's something underneath. So what's the thing underneath? What is the thing that you're afraid of 
or you regret or you feel guilty about. Because we need to bring those things to God's control, to God's grace and God's mercy. He wants you to live underneath his control, grace, and mercy. He doesn't want you to live afraid, full of regret, and full of guilt. Your life is a bubble, and that bubble was meant to fly, not to cower about its journey. So God, give me a deep appreciation for this life you've given me. The second thing he prays, Lord, give me grace and mercy for the life you've gifted me. Give me grace and mercy for this life you've gifted me. He says in verse 7, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes of sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. We find out that part of what brought about our friend's struggle here is one of his failures. Not to clarify, that doesn't mean that if we're having a struggle that it's because of sin. It could be because of something else. But in this guy's situation, it's because of a failure. He's realizing that underneath his crisis, he's realizing he's botched life in some way. And in realizing this, he shuts up again. He's quiet again. This time it's different though. He's not muting himself because he doesn't want the wicked to hear him. Now he's muting himself because he stands before a holy God and he needs to shut up and let God speak. Our friend being quiet here means he's not offering excuses. Our friend being quiet here means he's not offering justifications. He's not deflecting or projecting to others his silence is him taking ownership of his sin. He is silent before God because in the same way he asked for a vision of the brevity of life, he also now has a vision of his life before God. And we need that awareness also. God wants us to enjoy him and enjoy this life with him. And while doing that, he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be faithful and good and merciful and gracious and generous. But we do our own thing. Whether we realize it or not, we become selfish, we become lazy, we become self-absorbed. We worship things meant to be part of life, not the thing that defines life. We treat one another in a way that doesn't reflect God, but in a way that reflects our own selfish desires. None of that is going God's way. And when we don't go God's way, we go a different way, that's called sin. And the guy in the psalm is bringing his failures before God owning it, and just shutting up. Our friend is being quiet because he expects God to talk, and you and I need to hear from him as well. We need to hear God talk about our sin before him. Your sin is horrendous and wrong. It's not how I created you to be, and it's not how I've guided you to live. That might sound harsh, but that's truth. It says in James, he says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, when you read that verse, we can't read it out of context. That's not God telling us, telling us I want your human existence to be defined by lives of depression, mourning, and no laughter. What he's telling us is that when you sin, this should be the appropriate response. We should grieve 
and mourn and wail when we sin. He's telling us that's the appropriate response for wrongdoings. We need to hear God talk about our sin and own it in that way. But we also need to hear God talk about his grace for us. We also need to hear him talk about his mercy. I offer you grace. I offer you mercy. I offer you forgiveness, he says. I loved you and I died on the cross so that you can know forgiveness and you can know life as it was meant to be. It's why James says in the very next verse, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will change the direction you're going. You will know wholeness and forgiveness again. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to hear from God. We need to hear him talk about these things. Some of us here only hear the talk about sin, though. And you need to hear the part about grace. If all you do is hear the sin talk, you're going to beat yourself up. You're going to devalue yourself in a way that God doesn't devalue you. You're going to feel horrible and you're going to feel the weight of shame all the time. And God doesn't want any of that for you. Yes, you need to hear the reality of sin, but you have to hear about grace. Some people only hear the grace part and don't take sin seriously, though. We blow things off. We make it out like it's not any, any big deal. We compare ourselves to others, and we just, or we make excuses rather than owning it and getting it out of our lives. I don't know which one you need to hear, but your heart before God does. Hear him talk about your sin and hear him talk about his grace and know this truth. It is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He wants you to know forgiveness. And there is nothing that we've done that he won't forgive. And there's nothing that we've done that changes how he sees us. He loves you, and he offers you forgiveness. And so we come and we pray to him, God, give me grace and mercy for this life you've gifted me. The last thing that our friend prays about is, Lord, let me journey with you in this life you've gifted me. Let me journey with you in this life you've gifted me. Verses 12 and 13. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me that I might smile again before I depart and no more. And again, that's kind of a weird ending, right? Just, it sounds weird, the things he's asking for. But again, this third prayer here is the shortest. It might, seem, it might seem like it's the darkest, but I don't think that's the case. I think that this is actually the most pleading part of the whole thing, and it's him pleading for hope for tomorrow. Hear my prayer. Give ear to my cry. Don't ignore my tears. He is pleading with God right now. And here's the part. For I am a sojourner with you. I am a guest like all of my fathers. I am journeying with you, God. I travel with you. As you go, I go. I am your guest. I'm brought into your space, shown hospitality, shown care by you and for what I need. I am part of your promises like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were faithful to them, and you're going to be faithful to me. 
So remove your look of judgment away from me so that I can smile again. This is a pleading for forgiveness. Remember everything he just talked about in the beginning? The second part? Let me know your grace. Let me know your mercy so that I can smile again. So I can go on enjoying the journey with you. I can enjoy being your guest. I can enjoy your faithfulness. He's not asking God to leave him. He's asking God to forgive him so that he can keep going, so that he can live and experience life as it should be. He wants God. He wants to be with God. He wants to journey with God. He wants the hope that God can give. And he's pleading for it. And we should be pleading for it as well. Where do you find hope? And this guy is going to the only place we can truly find it. And that's the Lord. We hear our friend praying the way David did in Psalm 51 and similar to what we see in Lamentations 3. In Psalm 51, David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, plot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold with me a willing spirit. That's what our traveler is praying. God created me a new heart. It says in Lamentations chapter 3, the first couple verses, the guy here says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into the darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand and again the whole day long. And the rest of Lamentations is more of this, chapter 3 is more of the same about God's response to his sin. But then it says in verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You need to know that. God's love for you never stops. It never alters. It never changes. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You need to know that this is what God wants for you. When you hear these two passages, this is what God wants for you. A clean heart, a renewed spirit, us in his presence, his Holy Spirit guiding us, that we'd be full of joy in him, that he would uphold us, that we would experience his never-changing love, that we would trust in his never-ending mercies, that we would hope with him. And so you have to ask yourself, are you journeying with him now? The journey with God definitely still has its valleys and it still has its sufferings, but we have all of those things that God wants for us along the way. Trust in him. You need to trust in him and him alone and journey with him. That's what life is all about. I don't know where you're at this morning. If you resonate with this guy a lot, if you're in that place, if you're asking and struggling through some of these same things, Maybe you remember when you had a moment like that. 
I guarantee if you haven't had it and you're not in it, it will come at some point. Why? Because we're all human. And this is part of the human experience, is to come to a realization that we're not God and what are the implications of that. We don't have it all figured out. We can't do it on our own. There's nothing that's going to change that. We need him desperately. And so as you process the reality of who you are and who he is, we have to journey with him. And we have to think about our days in light of who he is. And so I want to close today doing something a little different. Rather than having the team come up, and they're going to come up after this and we'll do a song, but I want you just to sit and listen to a song for a moment. So you think about this guy and the situation he's in, the prayer that he's pleading, and how we so often can get into the same place. As we think about the brevity and fragility of our lives, I want you just to hear this song in light of that. And so let's listen.
the reality of who we are and we think about the reality of the days that we have. We only have a short amount of time and we don't know how much time that is. Uh, I heard somebody say one time, thinking about the death of somebody who was very young, it's, it's tragic that they, God took them so quickly. And their person's response was, it's amazing that God lets us live as long as we do. Every day that we have is grace. And so it's a moment when we think through, there's course, we have to course adjust at times. We have to rethink things. We have to re recalibrate to the reality of who we are in him. And that can be painful, but that's not bad. It's actually some of the most important things that we can do. But the reality is, is that if you're in here today and you don't know the Lord, there's nothing that you can do that's going to make that life as meaningful as what he can give you. And you can try and find it in so many different things, whether it's money or success or relationships or all these great things that God gives us for the life, but they're not meant to define the life. Jesus is. So you need to trust him. You need to, we talk about faith. Faith isn't just, I believe this to be true, even though that's part of it. Faith is, I'm defining who I am by this. I'm defining who my existence, I'm putting the allegiance of my heart in this. And so is your faith in God because it's in him that you have life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the gift that you have given us. God, I pray that you would help us to process. I pray that you would help us to think through. I pray that you would help us to struggle, but to bring all of those things to you, to bring those to people who will encourage us, to remind us of who we are, and to remind us of truth, to remind us of grace. God, help us to not wallow in regret, but to take action in the present. Help us to not think we're unforgivable, but to move toward your grace and mercy. God, I pray that you would give us an eternal perspective for the moments we're in now. And God, help us to be aware of how much we desperately, desperately need you for every second of the few that we have. It's in your name we pray, amen. And this, this song is just the perfect song to bring before the Lord as we think about this topic and this psalm.